Hey guys, before we get started today, I uh, just wanted to make sh- uh, point something out real quick. Uh, we are going to be changing the name of the podcast from the two-man break, <clears throat> excuse me, to the one-man break, the one-man break. Very simple change, but uh, makes more sense. Basically, it was just me running this uh, for the time being. So yeah, we're going to be changing it to the one-man break um, probably within the next few weeks. I will let you know the podcast before it changes. Just so you will know what to look for if you can't see uh, if you can't show up on your feed, a really easy way to not have to worry about this is to follow me on Twitter at Sam Diebler, where I'll be tweeting out the links to every podcast as it comes out, um, so you won't miss a thing if you just follow me on Twitter. But if you don't want to follow me on Twitter um, and you just want to, you just kind of like look at your Spotify or Apple Podcast feed or whatever for what, every Tuesday when this comes out, we are changing it to the one man break. Okay, it just fits our brand better. That's all. Basically, I just want to let you know before we get started in this podcast. With that being said, hello, everyone out there listening in the world today. I'm Sam Diebler, and this is, for the time being, the Two Man Break Podcast. And as I'm sure many of you are aware, uh, the AFC and NFC Championship games were today. And not not today as when this comes out, but today as of recording was today. And I just uh, finished up watching the Chiefs versus the Bills. You know, that was very close to game. The game is very close to my, you know, interests and all that stuff. But um, basically what we're going to do today is I'm going to break down those games real fast. And then we're going to get into our overall topic uh, later on in the podcast. So we're going to have a full-length podcast today. But to start out, let's break down the two championship games and just what happened and why it happened and what I think worked and what I think didn't. So uh, let's just start with the NFC Championship game, the uh, Green Bay Packers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I would like to toot my own horn here and say that I called both of the games, the result, um, in Friday's podcast, Friday's preview podcast. So basically what I want to say is that uh, I was right. (laughs) The Buccaneers match up so well with the Packers. And it's not because the Packers are a bad team. They're not. But the Buccaneers just have a great matchup for them. They're so physical up front. They have such good edge rushers in Shaquille Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. They were able to put pressure on Rodgers um, pretty much for the whole game. There were very few instances where Rodgers wasn't under pressure, which for any quarterback, for any QB in this game, um, it's... Like, it's so hard to win if you're constantly under pressure. And that's what happened, basically. That was the crux of the game plan. Um, It was close early. Um, Brady came out hot. Then Rodgers responded. Um, And then that the big the big play everyone's going to talk about was somehow, some way the Packers pulled the New York Jets and let Scotty Miller get wide open behind them and he scored a touchdown right before the half. And then they got a turnover and another touchdown. Pretty soon they were up three scores and the game looked over, but credit to the Packers. They battled back, made it a game, but they had possession after possession after possession at the very end where it was only a one score game. They had possession after possession after possession where they could have gone and taken the lead. And whether that be off of Brady interceptions, who threw three today, let's not throw, give him all these excuses. He threw three interceptions in a championship game. You don't win a lot of those games if you're a quarterback. But the Packers had every opportunity to get into this game. They didn't really adjust to the edge pressure, didn't really do a lot of chipping until the very end of the game, the last drive. Uh, they didn't do anything really to stop these the reason why like to stop the edge defenders and the the Buccaneers did exactly what I said they should have done. They double teamed Devonte Adams a lot. 
He really didn't start getting going until the very end of the game. And even then, his yards per catch was not great. He didn't have a lot of yards. Had, had like eight catches, but not for a lot. So he wasn't exactly killing them. And, you know, they had everyone else beat him. And they almost did. Rob, Marquez Valdez-Scantling had a great game. Tunyon caught a touchdown. Uh, there's just a, But at the end of the day, it was all about the game was decided by Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett, who had combined for like five sacks. And they couldn't run the ball because you had Vita Vea playing really well. He played a few snaps, got in there. But it was mostly about the linebackers, which is Pierre Paul, uh, Devin White, <clears throat> excuse me, Devin White, Levante David, and Shaquille Barrett. And those four players basically dominated this game. And it was a little disappointing watching it just from watching that game as just like a once a good game and best team to win. It was a little frustrating that Matt LaFleur who I think contributed more to their loss than anything else in this game, like on their side, didn't really make a lot of adjustments. And he kept running the same plays and kept having Rodgers drop straight back. And there wasn't really any threat of anything in this game. Um, The running game was actually all right. I was surprised they went away with it. Excuse me, they went away with it. They went away from it more uh, as often as they did. Uh, which is weird to say because the Buccaneers have such a good run defense, but I get it. You want to put the ball in the MVP's hands, but if you want to do that, then why didn't you go for it at the very end of the game? It's fourth and goal. It's from the eight or from the six or something like that, which I know is a lot to ask against good defense, but you got to score a touchdown anyway. What's a field goal going to do? You got to score a touchdown anyway. Why not go for it? If you don't get it, the Buccaneers are pinned all the way back at their six, you know, and then you can go from there. You can play field position. I am. I uh, tweeted this out during the game or as because the game got decided on a on a penalty that, yes, it was a penalty, but you don't want games like that to be decided like that. But um, I tweeted out. I basically was like, look, I think football karma exists. And if there's like a football karma god, they don't like not being aggressive. And in both games today, the team that lost was the less aggressive team. Can't happen. It cannot happen when you're this far in. It's inexcusable. So, basically, it was the pass rush. And Matt LaFleur not being aggressive at certain points. Matt LaFleur not making adjustments. And Aaron Rodgers loses another championship game. And Brady goes into the Super Bowl. And Brady didn't play that well. He made some good throws. Made some great throws. But he threw three picks. You don't get to have a good game if you throw three picks. And the fact that the Buccaneers got almost nothing out of those interceptions... They, don't, they didn't deserve to win this game. They're everyone's favorite. Remember coming into the week, they were like Packers, best odds to win the Super Bowl. They looked... <clears throat> they did not look good. Sorry, I keep getting stuff stuck in my throat. I apologize for that. No, it's probably not the most appealing sound to hear. <laughs> All right, but let's move on to the other game, the one I was more invested in, let's say, uh, the Chiefs and the Bills which started out really poorly for the Chiefs. Gave up a field goal on the first drive. It's like, all right. Then they go three and out, 
because Tyreek Hill dropped a perfect throw from Patrick Mahomes. And then Chiefs defense gets a stop. Uh, McCole Hardman muffs a punt. Not quite sure he how he even did. He kind of just dropped the ball. Like it wasn't like one where it just went right through his hands. He caught it and then it fell out of his hands. Really weird. And then, of course, the Bills uh, capitalize and suddenly they're up 9-0 because they missed the extra point. And then at that point, the Chiefs just take over, basically. Um, and it was 21-9, it felt like, in two minutes. Like, they took the lead and they, had, they scored two touchdowns in four minutes, basically. And then they t- scored another one. And it was just like... The Chiefs offense, when they want to is unstoppable. And it wasn't like the Bills, to their credit, weren't trying different things. They would blitz some, they would drop some, they would rush three, rush four, um, they would try zone, try man, try to do what Tony Romo calls a bl- like a, a bluff blitz, where you blitz one guy and drop another guy out. Mahomes, it just doesn't matter. And the few times they did try almost get to him, he made plays anyway. Mahomes looked like Mahomes. And Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, I have never seen a more dominant duo. They complement each other so well. You want to double-team Tyree Kill? The middle of the field is open, and that's for Travis Kelsey. You want to double-team Travis Kelsey? That means Tyree Kill is going to get a one-on-one more often than not. And it's so... It's just, I'm thinking about it because I'm a Chiefs fan, so I love watching that, obviously. But then I think about it from like a opposing team's perspective. It's almost unfair. You have the best receiving tight end, one of the best receiving tight ends in league history, probably top three tight end period, especially if you go by the numbers. You have the fastest human being to ever play football. One of them at least, but I mean, I don't have the stats, but like he looks like it. And then you have a quarterback who has an extremely strong arm, but not just that he's extremely accurate, makes great decisions and is extremely poised and understands the game. So just with those three guys, you could succeed, but then you throw in Andy Reid and Eric B who should be a head coach, throw in all the creative play calling. And all of a sudden it's like, Holy crap. You have one of the best offenses that ever played. Not to mention the, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire came back and scored a touchdown. Didn't have a great game, but scored a touchdown. Uh, Byron Pringle made a couple of nice catches. Uh, Nicole Hardman had a 50 yard run and a touchdown in this game. Sammy Watkins didn't even play. Demarcus Robinson, who's pretty good, didn't even get a target. Daryl Williams is an undrafted running back, which, spoiler alert, is a little related to this topic of this podcast overall. And they still... Look, I'm going to say something huge here. The Bills did not ever stop the Chiefs. Here are the possessions in the game. The one time the Chiefs punted, or one of the only times they punted, first drive of the game, It was a perfect throw from Mahomes, like I mentioned. Hill drops it. Otherwise, it's a 35-yard gain. They didn't stop him there. The Chiefs stopped themselves. Second drive. Never got started because of the muff, but the second real drive they got. Touchdown. Uh, Third drive. Touchdown. Fourth drive. Touchdown. Then they kneeled. So once again, the Buffalo Bills didn't stop that. They just kneeled out the clock to end the first half. 
Got the ball again. Field goal. Got the ball again. Touchdown. Um, when they are on, they are unstoppable. And they were on tonight. And there's only so much you can do as a defense. And the Bills' defense is one of the most creative and aggressive, but also smart and just well-coached. A lot of creativity, a lot of like mis- uh, mismatching coverages, all that good stuff. And it just didn't... The Chiefs, it was like child's play at times. So, you have all that. They're not even behind a good offensive line, guys. They haven't had Mitchell Schwartz, who's been their best lineman since the first Buffalo game. Eric Fisher went out with an Achilles. He's probably done for the year. You have Nick Allegretti, who's in there playing guard because uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif opted out. Um, so, and then they have Mike Remmers, who played right tackle. He's played left guard this year. He's played left tackle. He played left tackle in this game. So they're just moving around, and it just doesn't matter. There's no, like, Tredavious White got embarrassed by both Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, who's one of the best corners in the world. Got embarrassed. So they have the personnel, the coaching, and the aggressiveness, which was the key. The Chiefs were aggressive. They went for it on fourth down. They got touchdowns, not field goals in the red zone. And the Bills... When they had an opportunity at the end of the first half to narrow it to like a closer game than what it was, what do they do? They kick a field goal. What do they kept doing in the red zone? Kick field goals. Chiefs red zone defense was the best it's looked all season. This Chiefs defense is pretty damn good. And because of all that factors, and the only reason this game was that close was the closest 14 points. You had a muffed punt, Chiefs fault. You had a bad onside recovery, admittedly on a good kick. And you had like a scrum at the end where they ended up kicking a field goal when it should have been. I don't understand. Here's a little mini rant. How is it offsetting penalties if one team has three penalties and you have one? How is that offsetting at all? Which enabled them to kick a field goal. So my final point on this game is let's put to we are I'm done with the whole Mahomes young quarterback thing. Every single time they're like Lamar it was last year it was Lamar Jackson would you rather have him or Mahomes or Lamar? Clearly Mahomes. Clearly Mahomes. It was not close. Now this year they're like oh Josh Allen oh he's doing so well. Oh he's oh he has a big arm and oh Clearly Mahomes. It's not close. Mahomes is the best young quarterback in this game. And if you ask me, he's the best quarterback in this game. And one of the best ever. Just stop it. You talk about talent, talent. Got it. You want to talk about poise, poise. Got it. You want to talk about leadership? Of course he's got leadership. Did you see him hold everyone back on the sidelines during that little scuffle at the end? Leadership. They listen to him. They buy into him. They believe in him. Oh, but if you don't believe in all that, if you're like one of those guys that likes uh, rings, he's got the accolades. He's got all of them. Pro Bowls, all pros, Super Bowls, playoff success. 
unreal. He is unreal. So this is done. There's Mahomes, and he has lapped every single one of these young QBs. None of them are close. I'm done with it. If anyone wants to come at me with his Josh Allen BS, I'm done with it. Josh Allen looked bad today. He played poorly. His overall, his overall yard stats are going to look great because he got a bunch of yards and garbage time uh, from scrambling. But he was inaccurate. He made bad decisions a lot of the game. And when he started to play well, it was way too late. He was not ready for Mahomes. Period. I'm done with this. This is about as uh, upset as you're going to hear me, but I'm done with it. Watch the game. It's ridiculous. All right. Well, let's get a little more positivity here. Um, we're going to go on to the main topic of today's podcast, finally, about 17 minutes in. Uh, do running backs matter? It's an overall thing. It kind of ties back to a couple games today, but do running backs matter? And let me get one thing out of the way. Of course they matter. You know, you'd rather have a good one than a bad one, right? But do they, like, do they matter as much as other positions, I guess is what I'm asking. And this has been a hot-button topic for a while here, and the answer to the question is yes and no. It's somewhere in the middle. It is my firm belief that you should not, under any circumstances, draft a running back first round ever unless you're like a perfect team and that's like the one hole but that's never the case I love Clyde Edwards Hilaire the Chiefs should not have drafted him in the first round they could have gotten any number of running backs any number of them in the later rounds and he's 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 been good for him this year but it's just you could have gotten Jerome Robinson who went undrafted. And you know who the Chiefs' most effective running back this postseason has been? Daryl Williams, who has played extremely well this postseason, who was undrafted out of LSU three years ago. You should not draft running backs in the first round. The, the, the position is just too... It's so... Running backs, the running running backs, is, running back is the easiest position to learn from college to from to the NFL. There's a there's not as much of an adjustment period. Um, plus, it's like teams. So there's a combination of factors of why running backs have been marginalized because they used to be taken first overall. Guys like Kajana Carter, um, you know, guys like that. Ezekiel Elliott, who everyone thought was going to be really great, he's kind of tapered off. Leonard Fournette, who had a good game today and had been good for the Buccaneers, but he washed out of his first team. Like, it's a waste of a pick in the first round. I don't think you should take running back in the first two rounds. Third round is where it starts to open up. But running backs just, it's not the same anymore. The game is not the same. So the first factor is that the game is just different. You don't run the ball 30 times a game anymore, very rarely. And if you do, it's not with one back. Because in the NFL today, as the game is becoming more specialized, the backfield is perhaps the most specialized of all of them. Because you got your receiving back, usually. Unless you have like a Christian McCaffrey 
or Le'Veon Bell back in his day when he was still good. I mean, he's he's good, but he's not. He was Le'Veon Bell, right? Where he can play all three downs. But usually in the NFL, that's not the case anymore. You have your first and second down back, who you know usually is in there to run the ball, play action, um, pass protect, maybe catch a screen. Uh, so that would be Clyde Edwards-Alaire for the Chiefs. And then you have your third down back, who's either your receiving back, who's like a scat guy like Darren Sproles, uh, Deion Lewis, and James White in New England very comes to mind, or you have a pass blocker, or a combination of those last two, which is Daryl Williams for the Chiefs. He's basically been he has basically been their guy on like third and long. He can he's their best blitz pickup guy. Um, he's very effective out of the backfield and those swing passes. And he's just reliable. You want usually your most reliable back in those situations. Usually. That used to be all one guy. And some for some teams it still is. But a great example of this is, like I mentioned, Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas this year. You had your guy, Ezekiel Elliott, you're paying $90 million for, which <laughs> worst contract in sports. You're paying a running back $90 million. And his backup, Tony Pollard, outperformed him this year in yards per carry. He was more efficient as a runner. Running backs, running back, like every position in football are dependent on one another, but the running back is so dependent on a good offensive line. It's so, it's just, if you don't have a good offensive line, you're not going to be a good running football team. So why should I invest in Ezekiel Elliott? I should invest in a good offensive line, and then any running back can run for a thousand yards. Right now, in the draft, I could take a running back in the sixth round, and he could give me 80% of what the top backs in the league do for a tenth of the cost. It's, it's just not... And the teams that keep trying to bang their heads against the wall and they're like, running back, running back, running back. It's not. It doesn't matter. Give me a good offensive line. Give me a good quarterback. Give me good receivers. Anything on the offense. A good tight end before a good running back. I mean, good Lord, we've seen what Travis Kelsey can do. We've seen with Cameron Brait and Rob Gronkowski on the Buccaneers, what, what he can do, what they can do. Running back is probably the least important position on offense except for fullback. <laughs> because the really good running backs now are not just good running backs unless you're Derrick Henry. Which again, guys, Derrick Henry, two playoff, like... There's an easy way to shut down Derrick Henry. You stack the line, you hit him before he gets going. He's not anything. Look at what Baltimore did him to him this year. Look at what the Chiefs did to him last year in the AFC Championship game. That, fo- that kind of football doesn't win in the playoffs anymore, man. Like, what does everyone say about the, against the Chiefs, right? You run the ball, you, you get Mahomes off the field, like take him off the field, make him stay on the sideline. That's great. That's all fine and dandy and cute. The Chiefs are going to back-to-back Super Bowls. They've been to three straight AFC Championship games. How, does it really work? Does that really work? It'll work once and tw- once or twice in the regular season. It doesn't matter anymore. The running game is so marginalized. I think you need some semblance of it. But the Chiefs get a lot of their running on jet sweeps. Chiefs don't hand off in an I formation almost ever. 
know how everyone says the Chiefs needed a running game? The Chiefs need this? The Chiefs need that? No. The Chiefs need a running back that can grind out tough yards, can get a short yard, can get like a first down on a short yardage play. They need a, a guy that can catch out of the backfield and a guy that can pass block. And they're in the Super Bowl. And they've had that the last couple of years. Now, I know I'm kind of bagging on running backs a lot, but I'm just, the really good ones nowadays, like Christian McCaffrey, you, he can line up as a wide receiver. Alvin Kamara is another one. Line up as a wide receiver and run routes. That's where their value is starting to go. That Those two guys, I think, are the most valuable running backs in the league. Yeah, including Derrick Henry. Because once again, if Derrick Henry had a bad offensive line like he did his first couple years in the league, he wouldn't be very good. When the Titans started to get a good offensive line, they he started to be very good. You need a good offensive line to have a good running back. So I think the top three, it's probably... Uh, Kamarik, McCaffrey, and, and Henry in no particular order, but Kamara um, and McCaffrey are more valuable in the postseason because they can do more things. If you can stick your running back out there uh, and, and he can run the whole route tree like Kamara and McCaffrey can, and he's going against a linebacker, that's a mismatch. That adds versatility. The playoffs are about versatility. Winning in the playoffs is about having more guys that can do more things than the other team does. And if my running back can take 15, 20 carries a game and get me 60 uh, over 60 yards and then catch six passes for about 50 yards, that means I got 100, over 100 yards of scrimmage from one guy and all of a sudden you're in business. I'm just, guys, I'm just saying, like, but even those teams are not, like, of all those teams I mentioned, none of them were in the championship games. Let's examine every single team from the championship games. So the best four teams in the league, basically. Those, if you get to the AFC or NFC championship game, you're good enough to win the Super Bowl. That's always been my mindset. If you're the final four, you're good enough. The Buccaneers, Fournette, Ronald Jones, LaShawn McCoy earlier in the year. Three backs. Two in the playoffs. Green Bay. Uh, Jones, Williams, and who's the other guy? Rookie. Doesn't matter, but like, so three backs. All got playing time today. And Jones fumbled twice. And if I have a running back, he better not be fumbling at all. That's your whole job. At your very least, do not fumble the ball. If you can't do that, I'm not playing you. But, okay, so those two teams use a multitude of backs. The Buffalo Bills had Zach Moss and Devin Singletary for most of the year. And then Zach Moss went down, so it was Singletary basically, and then TJ yelled in a little bit, and they didn't even really run the ball. And they couldn't run the ball unless you were Josh Allen. The Chiefs. They had Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Le'Veon Bell, Darrell Williams. Le'Veon Bell plays in the first game. Edwards-Alaire doesn't. He can't play. Uh, Bell doesn't play in the, uh, the championship game. Uh, Edwards-Alaire does. So they had two backs for both of those games and split the workload fairly evenly. And look where they are. If you try to win, if you try to build your team through the running game, it will not work anymore. The Titans are the closest I've seen it. Unless you have a running game like the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, 
and all those guys and Edwards and Ingram and Dobbins. I know they released Ingram, but you know what I mean. That's a running game that can work because it's not a traditional running game, but a traditional running game can't work in the NFL anymore unless you have a dominant offensive line. But even then, you still need Pat, you still need a good quarterback to win the Super Bowl. You still need it. Like, there's no room for it anymore. What's the last team to win a Super Bowl with a bad quarterback? You know what I mean? Who has the worst, been the worst quarterback in the Super Bowl for the last 20 years? Was it Trent Dilfer, probably, in 2000? But he was carried by the best defense, probably, of all time. I can't remember the last team that won with their running game. <laughs> like, like, I just, there wasn't one. I mean, I guess you could say the Seahawks, but even then, you had Russell Wilson and a defense. My point is, running backs today, and probably running backs forever, have never been as important as almost any position on the field. I think kicker, punter, and fullback are the only ones that are least that are less valuable. It's just bottom line, there is not a use for them anymore in this league. Beside they're okay, excuse me. Let me tell you, there's not a use for them if you're drafting them high. There's not a use for them if you're giving them money. If I have a running back that's making ninety million dollars, that means I can't pay that corner money who would sell an infinitely more valuable position. I can't play my left tackle money, infinitely more valuable position. I can't pay my second receiver more money, infinitely more valuable position. So I'm losing players because I'm paying a guy that relies exclusively on the offensive line to generate any sort of production. And look, the best backs in the game, if they're only about 15 to 20% better than some like, if the highest paid backs are only like 15 to 20% better than the lowest paid backs, there's no, it makes no financial sense to pay a running back, to draft a running back that high. It just doesn't. Kareem Hunt for the Chiefs a couple years ago was drafted in the fifth round, I want to say, third, fourth or fifth. Led the league in rushing that year. Jerome Robinson for the Jaguars, undrafted. Probably one of the finalists for Rookie of the Year. Alvin Kamara was a fourth, fourth or fifth round pick. Leonard Fournette, who was a number four pick, did not work out. Ezekiel Elliott, number four pick, doesn't look like it's going to work out. None of the top teams had a a 30 touch a game back in the playoffs and the the top four teams didn't and teams still draft running backs in the first round I don't get it I don't know why the Chiefs did I know I think it was because Mahomes wanted them to and look obviously it didn't hurt them that much but it could hurt them down the road it's just frustrating to me that it's so obvious that that position isn't valuable and it shouldn't have been as valuable as it was ever. 
by football's very design, running back is devalued. They're a dime a dozen. If I, if I found a running back I really liked and I could get him for as cheap as I possibly could, I would. Kareem Hunt came from Toledo. Cool. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey came from Stanford. Not exactly a powerhouse. Alvin Kamara came from Tennessee. They played in the SEC, but they've been bad for a long time. I don't know, guys. They're, it's just not important anymore. And I know I keep reiterating it, but it's like, People need to start realizing this. Otherwise, we're going to keep seeing the Ezekiel Elliott's of the world get $90 million. You know what I wish, you know, I'm sure the Cowboys think right now, man, we really could have used that money to maybe be, give Dak what he wants and deserves. Or gosh, I really think we could have used that to sign, you know, some more offensive line depth. Or better defensive players instead of giving Ezekiel Elliott $90 million when his replacement and his backup were more efficient than him, more efficient than him this year. He also fumbled like six times. If I'm paying you as a running back in a second contract, that's any substantial amount of money. You better be giving me top five production or you're not worth it and even then I know every situation is different I know the NFL is entirely circumstantial it's where you are it's, the situ- it's situational but at the end of the day I would take every position in the I would pay every position in the NFL before I would pay a running back except for fullback kicker and punter I think I've made my point. <laughs> uh, for probably like these last six minutes, um, I'm going to do a quick preview. Um, a quick, like, on-the-spot preview of the Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. I'll have a longer podcast out. Not, not this Friday, but next Friday, the Friday before the Super Bowl. Like a full, drawn-out one where I can go over the matchups, where I can really analyze, like, you know, all the injuries and all that, all those situations. But for right now, my gut reaction and just watching both games all the way through and really like trying to understand all of it and process all of it. These two teams played each other uh, earlier in the year. It was 27-24, but the Chiefs at some points had a 17-0 lead and a 27-10 lead, and the Buccaneers scored a couple touchdowns late. Chiefs put them away. They won the game. Now, at that point, when the Buccaneers lost that game, they were 7-5. They've won every single game since then. I think the Buccaneers' offense is starting to figure stuff out, especially. However, the Chiefs' offense um, is does not. The Chiefs' offense does not care if they can't run the ball. They do not care. You like they'll run if they run twice in the first quarter and they get zero yards. They might never run again. And Mahomes is a different animal in the playoffs, man. And you bet your, you know what, you can bet it that he's going to have some crazy stuff for the Super Bowl. Stuff that we've never seen before. And they're going to have two weeks to get healthy, too. 
because they got they got they've been pretty banged up for a while now. So Sammy Watkins is going to be healthy. Their whole complement of running backs, ironically, will be will be healthy. Their offensive line will be healthier. Their defense will be healthier. And if you can't get, and everyone's going to question, but if you can't get motivated to win back-to-back Super Bowls, then you have no pulse. So obviously they're going to be motivated. And Andy Reid is going to want to beat Brady. Having said that, the Buccaneers, on the other hand, have, I think, are going to be extremely pumped up too. And it's going to be the same formula to beat Aaron Rodgers. It's, can your edge defenders get to Patrick Mahomes? which is something that has not happened yet for the Chiefs, despite their patchwork offensive line. And Andy Reid is one of the best coaches of all time in scheming around pressure. If you can play semi-passable offensive line play, like if you can just play like semi-passable there, and you have a good quarterback, you're going to win a lot of games Andy Reid. So, as a Chiefs fan, I will always be nervous. Always. That's just how I am. That's how I process stuff. And as I get closer to the game, I might feel differently. But my gut reaction right now, seeing what I saw against a very good Buffalo Bills team, which has a better defense overall than the Buccaneers, I think. More talent at all three levels. The Chiefs win. Because... You look at Brady, and you can say he's figured stuff out, but he threw three picks against the Green Bay Packers. Three! He has not looked very good this playoff. these playoffs. He's looked okay, but he's not been a Super Bowl-caliber quarterback, I think. He's been able to get by on some luck and some bad decision-making by opposing coaches, and, you know... And a guy in Drew Brees who can't really throw the ball deep anymore, and a guy in Aaron Rodgers whose coach kind of screwed him over, and they kept getting pressure. So I do not think Brady can outdo him, Patrick Mahomes. So his own, so the Buccaneers' only hope here really is that they catch a few breaks. Because Patrick Mahomes, ladies and gentlemen, you can maybe hold him for a couple quarters, but you won't be able to hold him the whole game. The 49ers know that pretty well. It's going to be really interesting. The storylines are going to be outrageous. It's going to be a long two weeks for those of you that don't like narratives like me. But hey, it's the Super Bowl. It's fun. I mean, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to I'm going to sit here and I'm going to enjoy it as a Chiefs fan. I'm going to have sleep good tonight. Uh you know, come back tomorrow and start breaking down film and really seeing where the Chiefs can get better and all that good stuff, but I right now I think, and the Chiefs are favored right now. I'm just looking at the odds right now by three and a half, as of right now. It could shrink, could widen as the league gets, as the game gets closer, but I don't know. I think the Chiefs would got this one if they play to their capabilities. There's no team in the world that can beat them. Well, I think that's where I'm going to wrap this up for today. Uh, thank you guys so, 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 so much for listening. You have no idea how much it means to me. Um, every listen you guys give it, every time you share it, every time you like it or review it or however, whatever platform you're using, however you can do that, it means so much to me and it helps us out so much. Uh, 
Thank you guys for sticking around. Thank you guys for listening. We're growing every day. I really appreciate it. Um, but for all of us here at uh, Excalibur Studios and the Two Man Break podcast, once again, Two Man Break for now. One man, one man break soon. But for all of us here, I'm Sam Diebler. Thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, stay tuned.